You know, guys and girls, um, it's just an amazing privilege. I want to thank Fraser and for Susan for offering the invitation to be here. Coming to this church for us is just the most special church to come to. I've had the incredible privilege of preaching in three or four continents. I've preached all over the world. I've been in some churches that have been multiple thousands. I've had an amazing journey. But coming here is where something deeply significant started in, <laughs> in our lives. And, and we've, en we've enjoyed a life and a lifestyle that has been down to this incredible city and this incredible church. Glasgow is a unique city. I've preached in almost every city in Scotland, and uh, there is something about Glasgow that is both amazingly the humor, the passion, you know, and there are some of the downsides of Glasgow too with some of the issues that go on, but it's the most amazing city that God called us to in 1990 before some of you were born um, to start a journey and it's now Fraser you know in five years time only five years time this church will be 100 years old 1927 Jackie was in the choir was just going through puberty his voice broke halfway through singing the Lord's Prayer in the city center and it's going to be almost certainly unless the Lord comes back I'm not trying to prophesy but I think just speaking logically it's going to be Fraser and Susan's privilege um, to lead this church into the centenary can I say this? Because I'm going to give you a challenge because my sermon is called Next Step Time. And Fraser was just encouraging you to take a step. And I thought, my word, we're on the right track today. God's just confirming my word. But in, in five years' time, we'll be 100. Most churches of 100 years old, their best days are behind them. Most churches of 100 years of age talk about yesterday talk about the 20s or the 30s or the 50s or the 70s or the 90s you have the amazing opportunity if you choose to to journey with Fraser and Susan into the next five years of an adventure and it's going to be I have no idea what Fraser's vision is going to be next month, but I almost wanted this morning to be a John the Baptist moment because he doesn't know yet either. So, but I wanted almost to prepare the way. I want this to be a preparation because I'm going to ask you in the course of this sermon to prepare yourself to take the next step. I don't know what that's going to be. I don't know what it's going to be. I had the privilege of being here last year when Fraser gave one of, in my opinion, one of the best sermons about resetting the vision of a church I've ever heard. It was just absolutely awesome. And I just was so moved to tears like I, I was just a few moments ago. And, 
And I think over this last period, he's been resetting. But, you know, the time has come to rebuild. And, you know, in the physical, there are parts of the building that need a bit of attention. I can't think where, but a, there is somewhere where the church needs a bit of attention. And can I tell you, the answer to every need of this church is in the house. You are the people. If you can get hold of God, is there anybody but me who wants to believe that the hundredth year will not be just celebrating the past, but we will be rejoicing in the greatest season of God moving in the history of the hundred years? Anybody up for that? Well... I've seen more passion in a Derby County match. <laughs> you see, I have felt so burdened this week that I want to share what I'm going to share with you. But, and I know I've just got this like two hour slot to, to speak. <laughs> and you hear sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. But I look around here and I can see faces where a sermon changed your life. Because I had the privilege of preaching the night some of you were saved. I had the privilege of preaching the night some of you were baptized. I had the pr privilege of preaching sometimes you were filled with the Holy Ghost. And you were overcome. And it's not just the words of the song. You know, I sometimes think in the modern church world, if we were overcome again like we were in the mid-90s, some of us would be just as scared as the people were then. Because to be overcome means you're out of control. And I will never forget the day I stood on here and I thought, Lord, I don't want ever to do the hose. <laughs> I was quite happy to have a laugh. I didn't, I didn't mind a cry, but I didn't want the oohs, the oohs. And Bob Coleman may remember this. You don't know whether he will. Bob, dear, Bob at the back there, he's sleeping. And... Uh, <laughs> But I, I started the service here in the middle of the spirit, and in the middle of the, the meeting, and I began to go like this. Oh, oh, and I am absolutely 100% thinking rationally, thinking, what the devil are you doing? It's normally the women over there that do that. But Marion's moved now, she's over here. There was a little gaggle of them over there that used to be the real hoers. And, and I'm going, oh, and I'm thinking, well, what in God's name is happening? I'm, I've got, people are looking to me to lead the service like a true man of God, not some jerking idiot. And Bob Coleman walked out. Don't really remember that, Bob? He wasn't, he, he'd had enough. And, and I'm, I'm doing this, and I gave Margaret the little sign Because I'm still thinking perfectly normal. I'm still completely in charge, thinking of what's happening, but I'm doing this. And so Margaret goes out and says something to Bob, something like, Bob, it's going to be okay. Kevin's all right. It'll be back to normal next week. <laughs> and Bob said, I didn't go out because of that. And he's, it was when they used to have a hole there. Remember when there was a window at the back, when you could have a nebbin? Go out to go have a wee and then have a little neb. 
And uh, he said, Margaret, I've not come out because Kevin's doing this. But there's a 10 foot 6 angel tapping him on the head. <laughs> now, you smile. But you want to be overcome by the Spirit? <laughs> Do you want to run the risk of being, you know, all of the stuff that goes with it? Well, you've got five years. You've got five, and it, it may be absolutely, and I need to correct myself because I don't want to look into the past. The next move of God may be nothing like that, but there will be, when God moves, you're overcome. However that works, however that looks like, there'll be seasons where Fraser won't be able to preach. There'll be, freeze, there'll be seasons when the praise team pray, pray, play quietly. It's going, to be a, it's going to be a miracle. I thought if Gary's mic went any louder today, we'd burst the windows, but there are none. But you know, when God moves, there's a big job on Fraser's hands. I do hope you're praying for him and Susan and the leaders as they're taking us towards a hundred years. Because you tend to think of your season... But I stood on the shoulders. I always remember when Jackie used to colour up and go tearful when I mentioned Pastor Kelly. Never met him. He died. But he pastored the church over 20 years. And there's been great men of God in the past. But it's become the awesome responsibility that Fraser carries. And let me tell you, that is a big responsibility, having done the job. It is not easy. It's next step time, and I'm going to read to you a passage. We've already praised, so I'm just going to read the passage. You'll have read this passage many times. I've preached on it many times, this passage, but this is a brand new sermon. I spent three days, that's a miracle for me, three days on a sermon. It's normally ten minutes with a fag packet, and I've gone <laughs> after 30 odd years of doing it. But it's one of the most well-known passages in Matthew 14 and I want you to just imagine you've never heard this before I want you to try and imagine because the one thing about vision is this it's easy to talk to people in the 20s and 30s about vision but I'm retired you know people say to me the only vision you need now is keep breathing just keep breathing. And sometimes as you get mature and your kids are growing and you've got your mortgage page and you're in your 50s and you're in your 60s and you're in your 70s, you can sometimes fall into this trap where you think vision is not about your next step. You think, I've made all those steps. I've made all my steps. No more steps. It's time to take it easy and let the young people take some steps. Take some steps to college and marriage and getting back. But I tell you, I really just feel for the mature people here. I've got a real passion at this moment because, believe it or not, I've reached maturity. It's taken 67 years, but I'm here. And you, then you find out what mature means, overripe and going rotten. So that's what, the, that's what the word means. So Matthew 14. I'm going to break in at verse... 25, and you know this reading, but just in your heart, just as I'm going to read this, just ask God to speak to you. And there may be a phrase I read that will just stop you in your heart. Shortly before dawn, 
Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Lord, if it's you, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Just stop a second. Don't you wish Peter, when he got to heaven, could have said to God, could we just end the story there? Wouldn't that, that would work well on the chosen. You know, that would be the moment to sort of finish walking on the water. Big cheer, hurrah, hurrah. But just like life, it goes on. This series of ups and this series of downs, it's called life. But then you see a but, and whenever you see a but, always look what comes afterwards. But when he saw the wind, which he couldn't do. You can't see wind, you see the effects of wind. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Amazing little story. In the year 2000, John Ortberg wrote a book with probably the naffest title I've ever read. And yet it sold millions. And the title of the book was called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. It's like a degree in the blooming obvious. But it tickled me, and I read it back in 2000, 2001. And that book was the catalyst to me leaving here and going to the region full-time and doing other things in my life and ministry. Because there came a point when God said, it's time to take the next step. It's time to take the next step. It's time to... And I don't know what your next step is. Fraser's going to get some vision for the church corporate vision. But you know, all of you within that vision, you've all got to take your next step. Some of you, it could be getting married. Some of you could be having children. Some it could be moving house. Some could be a new career. Some of you, it could be something this. For some of you, but in the spiritual realm, God, I believe, is asking me to say to you, in terms of a preparation, the time is coming to take the next step. And we can all get worked up about it. But you know, when you're mature, working up doesn't do it. Working up gives you a good meeting. Working up gets you to the point when that was good, wait till next Sunday, I can't wait. But for all of us, for us, for Margaret and myself, we're here. What is your next step? What is stopping you from taking it? As I said, 
I could easily say, I've done all I want to do. I've, I've had a successful quote-unquote ministry. We've seen blessing everywhere we've gone. You know, I thank God, and I say this here in my heart, there isn't an ounce of boast in me because I know God did everything here. In the 14 years we were here, every year there were people taking steps forward and the church was bigger every year for every year that we led the church. It grew every single year. Now, sometimes it grew by half a body. Sometimes I had to bring a coffin in. But the church grew every single year and it was just staggering to see what God was doing and building. Was it easy? No. When, like I said to you, I'm just being honest, coming here, I have, whenever I come to preach, I have some days when I remember all the funny stories. Some days I come here and I remember the people who have now gone to glory and I miss them. Still miss Joe and Margaret. Still miss many of the people who've gone on before us and people I work with and, and Ian and different people that we've, we know. And sometimes I can feel myself getting tearful about the people we lost. Some days I remember the baptisms, which were like teen challenges when everybody he wanted to baptize somebody who wasn't a drug addict or a scoundrel. It was just this amazing. So sometimes, but then there's some days I think to myself, you know, as I look back, I wish I'd enjoyed it more. I enjoyed it more when I left because of the tensions of leadership. And Peter is about to get out the boat into a very lonely position. Now, I don't know Fraser, we get into it a lot better. But I'm telling you, as he's thinking about what to do and praying and leading the church, every decision he will make, I guarantee, will be what he feels is best for the Glasgow Elam Church. Every decision. But guess what? You won't like some of them. You'll think he's wrong. You'll think he ought to do it this way. It's like spectators in the, in, the, in the football. You could all play better if they gave you a chance. But you see, God has, God has called him for such a time as this. The only thing wrong with him, he's not as good looking as me. He's got most of all, all the, he's a brilliant preacher. He's got so many, but I'm telling you, there'll be times when he'll be laying awake when I won't. When he, because it's not my, not my, not my gig to be, but he'll be feeling it when he's trying to talk the deacons into spending money. When he's trying to spring vision that we don't quite get, and if it doesn't quite float your boat, and it seems to me in my in my days, people stay in today's church as I visit it. So many people are settling, sitting in the boat of comfort. And they're not prepared to take a step out of the boat to take the next step because, and particularly as you get older, as I, as I said. It's very lonely. Peter has a very lonely walk. And being the senior leader, you've got a great team. And I know all of you support Fraser, but you don't carry what he carries. I'm sorry, I can just say this now, I'm not doing it. Because you don't, because it sounds like you're almost boasting, because you're not. But you're carrying responsibility from God for every decision you make. It will affect people's lives. It will affect people's, if you open something, if you close something. If you paint something, if you don't paint something. Everything you do 
I was just thinking to myself when I came, I thought, oh, brave. And uh, I'm just thinking, how many deacons meetings did it take to pick the colour of this? I don't know. Back in my day, it would have been about 40 meetings to make a decision. It's just amazing how things, but please, 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 those of you belong to this church, and if you're at the end of this, I'm going to ask you to commit to the next five years, whatever that means. You've got to, there will be things. I upset, everyone says, it was great when you were here, but some of the people who left in my time wouldn't say that. They would say, I ruined everything. There was one gentleman, I won't mention his name, whenever we, he hated drama, we had a drama team. It's the, it's the only person I've ever written to, to say, don't come to church this week, we're doing drama. He just hated drama. Whenever we had drama, he'd meet me at the door and give me a salvo of 10 reasons why I'm going to hell. And so... I don't have to know anything. I just know it goes with the territory. But please, 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 please support Fraser. Stand with him. And sometimes when he makes decisions you don't quite get, give it six months and you'll find most of them will make sense because it's for the benefit. It's not for the decisions I made for the church when we were here. I, I remember I had to get, not get rid, sounds over, but there was, it was obvious there was some tension. I had to change team member and it broke a relationship, it broke my heart, but it was the best thing for the church. And I, you have to make calls that are best for the church because you see, I've never wanted to stop in the boat. First year, one last story, then into three quick points, four, four points. Seven. It's a perfect number. John Glass. Remember, John, those of you who remember John Glass, he was my boss when I came to the church, just like Fraser. And he came to see us after about one year in the church. And the church had doubled in the first year. Went from 10 to 20. No, no, it was, a, it was, a, it was growing. And John Glass sat me down, and I'll never forget. And he said, Kevin, I need to tell you something. Most pastors... Most pastors reach a point where the pain to keep stepping out the boat is too much and they stop. And that's the point the start church stops growing. Start, it's the time the church goes into power, gets paralyzed and eventually will begin to shrink because you stop moving things forward. And I can remember I was 36 I had ribs and brown hair. And I can remember in my house saying, in my spirit, I'm going to be one of those people who keeps getting out the boat and being prepared to upset people because if God speaks, the answer is yes. Now that's easy to preach, but like I said to you, some of you were part of some of those decisions when people didn't like the move of God, etc., Here's down to where I want to get. I'm, I'm talking, I'm waffling on. How do you know your next step? Well, if I can get to the passage now. That was Kevin sharing, this is what the Bible says. Which is probably more important than what I've just shared. But 
I'm trying to share my heart to you. You're only five years away from your centenary. COVID has affected large churches more than small churches. There are more people who... When I was a regional leader, I said to every church session when they appointed a new pastor that 10% of the church will not be there 15 months after you're there. And I would say in the 20 years I did the job, that was the most true statistic of anyone who ever moved, that 10% of the church move on when a new man comes. Now we've had COVID. So that probably takes it up to 20%. And so that's a lot of people. That's not because of bad leadership. It's not because whatever. It's just what happens. And some people have chosen not to come back. Some people's faith has been tested and stretched and fear has run. But anyway, I won't get into that. I'm going off piste as we were. I'm so pleased I said that properly. I didn't always say things properly. But now I'm mature, I do. Just you wait, I'll make a big cock up now. So... How do you know what your next step, step is? I want to say this to you from the passage. You have got to listen to the call in the midst of the storm. There are so many voices trying to get your attention and it is a spiritually discipline to slow down. One of the biggest lessons I learned in the mid-90s, to, to connect with God, it wasn't dialing up, it was dialing down. It was dialing down into intimacy when I began to hear his whispers. Many of you will remember, I used to say, I don't hear from God. Margaret does. I haven't got time to tell you the stories of how many things she heard before I did because of her spirituality. You've got to listen. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, if it's you, if it's you, if it's you, tell me to come. He wasn't going to get out the boat until he heard what God had said to him. It had got to be God saying, become a minister. It had got to be God saying, become whatever you become and have become. It's doing what God tells you to do. Then he says, if you tell me to come, verse 29, Jesus just says, come. I believe, prophetically, this morning I'm standing here as Fraser's going to be sharing next month about the vision. There's an invitation, both corporately and individually, that God is saying, to you guys, particularly you guys over 40, over 50, you know, young people, they'll go for anything. But older, as we're now mature, we don't, we, don't, we don't take steps. We need 17 words. But if Jesus today invites you to come somewhere, will you take a step? Will you take a step? Oh, don't just read a book. Don't just go to a good podcast. Don't just go to the YouTube. Don't just fancy it. Hear from God. And when you hear God's voice, say, yes, sir. Yes, Lord. At the moment, 
talking about past stories, bring it up to date. I don't know whether many of you know, when I did both regions, we had a little flat in just outside Blackpool, Cleveland, which was a base when we worked in the northwest. And we've just been seeking God for our next step. And we, we for 20 years, have led this rather strange life that we've lived in two places. We've lived in Glasgow, East Kilbride, and we've lived in Cleveland when we're working down there. And we feel like we're going to continue for a season of living two lives, but not in Cleveland, in Lanzarote, <laughs> where we found a church. And so we decided before Christmas to put the flat on sale. Lots of maintenance issues. Some flats have been on, been on, on the market for two years. We put our flat on the market. Two days later, we get a buyer. Two days buyer comes. So that's on the back burner. We go to Lanzarote and we decide that when we leave, we're going to put the house on the market in Lanzarote in Porta del Carmen and we're going to move to Playa Blanca. So we've got one plate spinning in Cleveland. And so we're thinking, come on, we're mature. Don't take any steps out. of. Let's just wait until it's all sold, all the money's through. Take it easy. Knock on the door in Lanzarote. Just after Christmas, one of the neighbours, I've heard a whisper that you're thinking of selling your house. Can we buy it? Yes, says Margaret. <laughs> 5,000 more than we were going to put it on, which is a good deal. No, it's on the go. And we're trying to step out the boat. Because we think we need to near, be near the church. We've been asked to mentor the pastor and his wife and people in the church. And we've got very involved. Only a small church, but we're loving it. And we've got a life there. And we've taken a step towards that direction. And so it's God still. But you see, we've heard him. Don't go away and put your house on the market because you heard a pastor tell a story. Well, it worked for Kevin. It will work for me. If God's not told you to do it, it won't. Can you hear what I'm trying to say? The vital thing is to somehow, you know, we've got to deal with this spiritual brain fog that we've got. You know, we talk about brain fog, don't they, now with COVID. I believe there is a spiritual brain fog that people don't seem to be hearing like they used to hear. It seems to be a struggle. There's one or two lone prophetic voices but it's almost we've become so dependent on other people to tell us what God is saying. I'd have never come here if God hadn't spoken to us. I would never have left here if God hadn't spoke to us. We'd have never become regional leaders unless God had spoken to us. We'd have never stopped being regional leaders. I left a year early because God told us to leave early. Because he'd got other plans. He's so excited. God doesn't like to retire you. The world does, Elim does, but you know, God's still got plans for me. Well, three nods. Some of you thinking you're stretching it now. I've seen the way you walk. Well, let me tell you, someone in the Old Testament walked with a limp, and he didn't do too bad. Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. 
When was the last time you heard the whisper in your ear, this is the way? Now, please hear me. I'm not trying to in any way to load you with some kind of spiritual guilt. You're talking to Mr. No, no Listener. So I'm, that, I'm talking to myself as I point a finger to you, this three pointing at me. But there's always a call. Spiritually, next month, Fraser's going to issue a call. Whatever you do that day, sell your kids. <laughs> Tell your wife you were sorry and get here. Focus, focus. This is the way you walk in it. Simple prayer I used to pray. And again, I've got nothing new in that area. Lord, make it idiot proof. That was my simple prayer. For 20, 20 odd five years, I've said, Lord, make it idiot proof that I know it's you. So there's always a call. Secondly, very quickly, you've got to expect. You, you started 10 minutes late, didn't you? So that's, that's okay. I did notice. What, what, what is it with Simon? He, was, he started late. James, did he start late? Everyone starts late. What's wrong with the world? I had to ask God to come back at five past 11 because he was about to go off to the Baptist. One of my little sort of idiosyncrasies is time. I worked at the railway. As you know, we we're always good timekeepers at the railway. So verses 26, verses 27 and verse 30, you'll see three words that keep being repeated. Terrified, fear, afraid. They were frightened. If you are bold enough today to take a step, let me tell you, absolutely, I believe 100%, as you move into whatever God's got for you, you'll feel fear. There'll be something that will make you feel anxious as you step out your boat of comfort. It's so hard because we like to be comfortable. And as you get older, you get more comfortable, don't we? We do. We like our ducks in a row more. I mean, it's taken me 25 years to take a jacket off. I just checked beforehand in case the Lord was going to come back and I was improperly dressed that he said, no, you're okay, Kevin. I'm not coming back till after the service. You see, fear wins. When you let fear win and fear keeps you in the boat, you always lose. And I've just put three things down here that you lose. First of all, you lose self-esteem. I should have done that. I've missed it. Can you remember? When, when, well, you won't remember the brethren because you weren't in the brethren. But I, I was. But as a young person, I wanted to stand up to pray and say thank you to Jesus. And then I'm so terrified and I can't get up. I can't move. And then someone gets up and prays my prayer. <laughs> or you have a little word that you want to share. And you've got this word, shall I shan't, it's not the right moment. I'm trying to get Fraser's eye. I go, oh no, he's not looking. He's looking over there. I've got this. Then up jumps some 78-year-old lady and gives your word. It's your word. And you want to say, sit down, that was my word. I wanted to say that. Am I the only one? 
then you spend the rest of the service talking. You're more mature than I was, obviously. But sometimes God wants to stretch us and fear kicks in. When was the last time you felt some kind of anxiety in the things that you were doing either for God or in your life? and You felt that dryness in your throat? Ronnie was saying to me, I think he's still awake, he's behind that mask. Ronnie was saying to me last night, he, he was appearing before 3,000 people at the Armadillo. Doing, doing the warm-up act with his, with his, with his comedy. 3,000 people. I bet when you did your first gig, and if they told you, you would do, one day you'd do it in front of 3,000, you'd have been, well, you would have been. Your pants would have been a different color. Because, no, I can't do that. There's always fear. Lose self-esteem. Second thing I think you lose if fear wins you lose that sense of destiny that you have on your life and you settle for something less than your destiny. And the third thing that you lose, if you let fear win, you lose your joy. When fear wins, do you, have you ever met a happy, worried person? Everyone's always miserable when, you, when, when you're full of anxiety. And surely in this last two years, there has been such a spirit of fear in operation in the heavenlies against the body of Christ. Till I was 40, I faced my fears by saying to myself, they wanted me to speak, I can't do it, but Lord, give me more faith. My prayer was always more faith, more faith, more faith, more faith, more faith. That was what I kept praying. That was my constant mantra. After I was 40, it changed dramatically when I received the revelation of the Father's love and I knew what I needed wasn't more faith, it was more love. 1 John 4 tells you perfect love, perfect love casts out most fear. Most fear? Oh, all fear. So whatever the next step is, Whatever the thing God asks you to do to move forward, what you need is to position yourself in a place where his love can just fill you and focus on, you know, it's this brain fog thing that's around. To focus back on Jesus. Do some soaking in your house. Go for a walk and talk to Jesus. This week, I've, I've, I've walked hundreds of steps praying about today. I'm praying for the Lord. I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste Fraser's time. I don't want just to reminisce about yesterday, as wonderful as it was, that we've got five years before we're 100. I'm hoping God willing to be here that day. Some of you think I might not be. I'm only 67, for heaven's sake. I'm only be 72. That's the age of Jackie's children. You see, when you get the revelation of the Father in your heart, you've got a big dad. You've got a big dad and a small devil. It reminds me of the song. Shake it up, shake it up, shake it up, shake it up. Great big God, little bitty. Great big God. You know, Gary, you need to sing some better songs, mate. You've got to get hold of that one. It was... 
I used to have the rain stick out and bouncing up and down here. Great big God, shake it up. Sh oh, well, dear me. No wonder my knees got knackered. Once you get a big dad, it gets easier to move. Once you've got a big dad, you get easier to move. Thirdly, hold his hand. It says he gets out into the loneliness of the water and it says he begins to, I just, that phrase that he began to sink. He began, he didn't go, bloop, gone. As he was walking, he was starting to get lower in the water. Help, Lord, he cries. And Jesus gets hold of his hand. Oh, if you hear nothing else today, folks. God's hand, if he invites you to take a step, his hand will be there for you. His hand will be there to hold you. I was just thinking of some of the times when I was at my most stressed in all of the things that I ever did. And, and I remember we went to Toronto. I think it was the second time. And on the Monday before we left, we had Steve Long for the very first time come to speak on a Monday night. And I, I wanted to say no because it's the kiss of death to have a meeting on a Monday night. I mean, I thought, no one's going to come. I'm going to be so embarrassed. I've got a, a chap who I didn't know from Toronto who would be there. But we did it, and it was fairly well full, anyone who can remember. Then we went off to Toronto, and I'm in the hotel room. I, I was actually in the bath, soaking away the cares of the day, and the phone went. And Margaret answered the phone. I didn't hear her, what she said, but she'd come into the, the, the bath. This was 1995. 1996 when the most famous church in the world was probably Toronto and uh, 2,000 people went every night to the meetings from all over the world six nights a week and Steve Long said to Margaret he'd never heard me preach said I wonder if Kevin would be free to preach Saturday night in Toronto I went under the water I thought Margaret was joking. This is the honest truth. I had no notes. I had nothing with me. She said yes because we agreed years ago that we'd say yes and worry later. That was our mantra when we were in ministry. Say yes, worry later. Can I, I'd love to tell you, I floated on the week on a spiritual cloud. I was sick every day nearly. I had diarrhea. I was, I was, I was, maybe too much information. Um, just... Maybe I'm not as mature as I thought I was. I had stomach issues. And I am bricking myself. I am convinced that the move of God is going to be stopped by an Elim Pentecostal minister. Because there'd never been an Elim Pentecostal minister at that point speaking in, in Toronto. Dave Campbell hadn't spoke. And John Glass hadn't spoken. So I'm... I'm walking, for those who remember we're the regal constellation, I am walking down to the church and I am, I'm feeling faint with anxiety. I'm feeling so nervous. I can't tell you, you won't know. I am convinced I am about to wreck renewal for the world. Olive very kindly faxed me some ser a sermon note through. And I'm stood there. 
and there's 2,000 people manifested. And there's me with my little sermon about why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I preach the one about you, it makes you removable, reusable. I forget what it was. It's all about you, bulls. And as I stood up, I can only tell you, I have never been more scared in a public sense than I was then. But then, I felt a hand. And I felt in the inner ear of your heart was, it's going to be okay, Kev. It's my revival, not yours. And I stood there, and I think probably Margaret would be the only one who probably picked up I was terrified. It opened the door to the most wonderful years of my life. There's always a hand if you're to say yes. Final thing, I'm finished now. You've been listening so well. Is that okay? Two more minutes, Fraser? Because that clock's 10 minutes fast after you took your 10 minutes out of there. <laughs> Final thing I want to say to you is this. First, listen to the call. Don't go on somebody else's eye. Listen to the call. Expect to feel. Don't be surprised when you feel a bit nervous about doing God's will. Thirdly, hold his hand. He'll never let go. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called. Immediately. And I, I like you, thank God for God for many immediately. The final thing is this. It's your choice. The other 11 disciples were loved and adored by God. I would have loved to see a verse here that, that God tipped the boat up and drowned the 11 disciples. It would go with my sermon really well. If you're not prepared to get out of the boat, you're going to drown. Because it would just make added dramatic impetus to, or maybe a lightning belt to electrocute all of them on the water. That would be a good ending. And only Peter didn't get electrocuted because he was out the boat. What a preach that would make. But it's not true. They have a choice. You have a choice. I have a choice. I can have a choice to say, let others do it now. Or we want to keep moving forward to our destiny because we believe we've another adventure in us. Don't know what it is. We're open to it, but we believe there's another adventure in God and we're up for it. But it's your choice. Step out or stay in. God will love you whichever way you go. All I can tell you since I was 20 years of age when I made Jesus Lord of my life, all I can encourage you in, we are having and have had the most amazing life because we've kept saying yes. And with a final illustration, I've finished and I went to Wynne Lewis's funeral. Many of you won't know Wynne Lewis. He was a former leader of the Elim movement, a great man of God. I think he was 77. And Dr. Teo Ariem, no, a chap from London, was doing his sermon. And what I can remember about him was this. He used one illustration. I've heard it many times since, but it's the first time I heard it. He said, there was a, on, on, the, on our tombstones, there will be... A date. In my case, I was born in 1954. There's a dash 
and then one day there will be another date when my life comes to an end. And the whole thing of, about that sermon was, he said, Win Lewis lived his dash to the full. And what you do with your dash is your choice. You can take a risk-free strategy in your dash. God will still love you. You'll still be in heaven. You'll still get the, all of the rewards by not taking any risks. God still will love you. Tim, would you come back on to the keyboard for me? I want to invite Clint Eastwood up with that hat on. If you could, come on, come up, come up, Clint. Get off your horse, you son of a gun. Come up. That's a great hat. Thanks, Tim. If you could just come and if you've got any get out of the boat music you want to play, just fit. Please don't play the theme from Titanic. It, that means we'll sink. Would you just play something, begin to play for me? Because I've finished. Folks, you've got a dash. At the moment, just looking around, um, Ronnie can sleep because he was out all night at the armadillo doing that, so he's okay. He's got a mask that covers his whole face. Oh, he hasn't. Uh, there. But for all of us, can I just say this? What will you do with your dash? It's your dash. Mine's 1954. I don't look it, but I am. I'm an old age pensioner. And there's going to be another date written one day. And I want someone to stand on this platform at my funeral. And I hope they'll remember, Fraser, if it's you. I hope you remember to say, he lived his dash to the full. I finished. I've tried not to preach. I've tried to share my heart for this amazing church. You've had some problems in the last two years like every other church. Fraser has done the resetting. Trust the man of God to start to rebuild you. Stand with him, even though you don't always get every decision. I thank with all my heart people like Jackie and Joe. When we went into renewal and, and Ian, we didn't understand it. But you guys did me the incredible incredible honor you allowed me to go with it when you could have sacked me but you didn't you stood with me and said if you think it's right Kevin we're going to go for it would you close your eyes